I'm Paulette. And I'm Whitney. And we're sharing the stories of Black women. Beyond boundaries and borders. Through our journeys and triumphs. This world is ours. All right, Paulette. It's another day and it's a special one because, first of all, we get to talk. But we get to have friends to talk to us too, right? Isn't that sweet? But before we jump into that, wanted to know, like, how are to. you? How what am you I? Up to? Yeah. Then maybe we could jump into a little girl. Yes, you can. But yeah. how are you in general? I am doing a lot better. Okay. Um, getting a little bit more sleep than the mm. last time we spoke. Okay. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, spring has sprung. So, you okay. know, London in spring and, you know, the three weeks of summer that we get is a really lovely place so um, okay yeah that's been good how about you what have you been up to you know I'm doing fine I think that I've been a little tired because it's just so many things happening it's also that season where everything is happening now mm-hmm. specifically like at work too like because it's ending a semester right. and just all the things are happening but I'm I'm good yeah. I'm good what about girl yes you can what's been up when you've told yourself girl yes you can my girl yes you can moments there have been a few but the one that I want to share okay for you because girl yes girl I mean <laughs> yeah so I got a promotion at work which is been a long time coming yes. um yes. I don't know how it works how does it work out there like you know if your organization has a restructure okay and like the process just takes forever mm-hmm. nobody's fault it's just right. forever just ever. like <laughs> a long time that's what I've been dealing with so I've been like hearing about this job and like I'll be honest I mean the job was effectively my job like it was in the restructure do you know how these things go sometimes I got the job very congratulations thank you and so yeah it's like kind of like a new a broader remit of work and like new things I can get into Mm -hmm. yeah I'm looking forward to getting getting started on that I'm excited for you thank you I'm excited Um, and how about you there's been a few things going on but one thing that stands out in my mind I got an award and it was an award for like I know right I was like that's that's so weak um (laughs) award winning (laughs) in your bio into my resume or something my bio let me stop but um but for real girl yes you can I mean yeah (laughs) for like uh outstanding alumni oh incredible from uh, my graduate school and it was just really kind I was like whoa and what's interesting was I I was telling one of my because I I was bad about telling people about it but one Mm. of my friends I was texting I was like Oh yeah, like I got the award and it was really nice of them. He was like, no. Nice no of them. It. Yeah, he was like, no, you you deserved it. I said, what? You're right. Cause I was like, oh, that's so nice. Like y'all. But it was, it was, it was your he was right. I I I have, you know, I think it was a beautiful opportunity um to celebrate. And I'm just I'm grateful to God for the different opportunities that I've gotten and to be recognized for that. And it was, it did feel good. I must say that. And me even saying aloud that it felt good and that I got an award, all that, because I had to talk to my therapist about this because I'm like, I don't know what's going on with me with this. 
I believe in humility and all that, but it's also okay to experience things and be grateful for being able to be recognized for the opportunities that, you know, God has given you so many things and talents and then someone else to recognize that it does feel good. And it's okay for me to say that. So that is my girl. Yes, um, you can. And you said it in public, on a public forum. Woo! So, you know. <laughs> right. So that's that's me practicing. Yeah. I was thinking about something else, though, because we have friends joining us in a moment. And this is something that I thought about. I'm just curious on how this shows up, showed up for you, like in London. Um, you know, growing up, when you want to have like friends sleep over and all that. Like I grew up in a really small town. But I also had a lot of cousins. So if I got to spend the night somewhere or spend a night, um, it was really like probably at a family member's house or whatever. But I did have some friends who could sleep over, um, come hang out at, at our house. Mm-hmm. How does that work in London? Because I'm just trying to figure out, do you have to get on the tube to go to your friend's house? <laughs> I'm like, I, like I'm no, no lie. Like I'm in the shower. I'm in the shower thinking about this. And I'm like, bruh, how do you have a sleepover in London? Because you got to get on a tube. And how do you get your back? Like, <laughs> help me. This is one of the most random things. <laughs> but I, it was on my mind in the shower this morning. And I said, I'm thinking about friends coming to join us today. And you know, usually when you hang out with your friends as a kid, you're like, can you spend the night? I'm asking your mama. You ask my mama. But how did you do that in London? Because do you get on the tube with your little bag? What? I'm so serious. Like, this was a question, a burning question for me. Gosh, nah. <laughs> Literally, it went so, <laughs> it went so left as well. Because the tube, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> typically you have friends that live, you know, your neighborhood. Oh, you, have you have neighborhoods. I know you got... <laughs> So we have neighborhoods. So like in your area, we say your area. So if someone lives in your area, like they're not far away. Okay. And you know what? It's interesting because now since I started working when I was like um, 18, 19, I was always on the tube. But prior to that, I would never, I never got on the tube. Okay. So I would get the bus. So a lot of my friends are like a bus ride away. And my, my secondary school was a bus ride away. So Yeah. To answer your question, which is such a specific question. Um, <laughs> typically and it's really not about the tube. It was about the culture of like staying over at friends' houses. I just, you know, my mind took me to the tube. I, I hear you. But mind yeah. the gap. Mind the gap. So, okay. So then I'll throw in there that my mom obviously is Caribbean. So, mm-hmm. I mean, sleeping over at people's house um, is somewhat in line with like what we, we'd call like playing out where you kind of mm. like when you were you were younger people would knock for you they'd knock on the door like say are you allowed to play out you're gonna come and play oh. out with us and then oh. like you just run up and down the street okay and my mum was like you ain't playing out and you're not going around to go and stay at whoever's house like before you even go out here do not ask me don't about even think about it tonight don't even that's what i just really need to know like a black mama yeah. is a black mama you know that's globally you understand <laughs> so yeah, yeah i could i could go there was a couple of friends that i was allowed to stay over at okay but my mom my mom had been to their house already you know met them parents okay. and everything so yeah. yeah i wasn't freely allowed to sleep over any and anywhere and i wasn't okay. allowed to play out yeah 
That was really the question. You're allowed to play out like in the street with your friends. Girl, yeah, girl, we could go outside. But you, I grew up in a town of like 800 people. Like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Let's the whole go. thing was happening outside. Like everybody was outside. Yeah. Um, even some of my best, like one of my best friends that grew up across the street from me, like we would go outside and play and be outside playing all day. We could walk mm-hmm. to the park. It was a very strong community, you know. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. It was it, the whole town was the neighborhood. Like it was. <laughs> Right. Um, yeah. no, but I mean, nice I did well. still have a lot of restrictions. Like, I grew up going to my grandma's house every day after school. My grandma made us walk one way home from school. Like, mm. she was watching us while, like, grandma, who's here? Nobody but us, you know? And well, other, but she was very particular about that. And we really could play by her house. And there could be other kids that come up, but we couldn't do a lot until a certain age when we were able to do things a little more independently. Yeah, same. I reckon when I got to about 15, 16. Yeah. Yeah, they probably let you were headed to college. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> so you're trying to tell me you can go outside until 15? Okay. No, I'm I'm when I was in secondary school, I was allowed to go to my friend's house. Oh, okay, like, okay. You'd go, go to that point where you just be, you would be hanging out with your friends, maybe at like the mall or like, you know, shopping center or whatever. Okay. But I think 15, 16 is like when I started going to clubs and like going out, like raving. Clubbing? Stuff. Teen clubs, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when okay. comes on the podcast, we're gonna have a chat about that. But yeah, love it, Paulette. Tell me about. Yeah, good times. Good times. A time. It was a time. I hear you. <laughs> well, I'm excited to uh, welcome my friends today. Yeah, it's gonna be nice. Thank you all so much for joining us today. We're excited to have our first episode with guest. So Paulette and I figured we could start off by just introducing our friends. So my friend today is Teresia T.G. Reese, all of the above, my sister of the year of the century. So Teresia and I met when we were freshmen at the University of Arkansas, and we have been together ever since. Families are have adopted each other, all of the above, and you know how you have those friends that you're just like, okay, we're going to be together for a while. We're really going to be in this. And so we've gotten to share a lot of a lot of life moments. So I'm excited to have Teresia joining us today. And we're joined by Sarita Allen, who I met at least six years ago. We've kind of been in contact through work. In our, and when I had my daughter, Sarita was lovely enough to be so supportive and like giving me tips about being a working mom. Over time, she's been super supportive of like leading roots. And then I've also been able to offer my experiences in work as well. We've definitely had some interesting conversations. <laughs> and that's why I thought you'd be the perfect person to bring on today, Sarita. Thank Welcome you. Back. Such a lovely introduction. The show is centered around Black womanhood. And so we figured we'd love to ask you all, what do you love about Black womanhood? Oh, that's such an amazing question. And one that I've never been asked. I used to work for a, a Black British heritage organization. And for me, the legacy of being an African woman and a Caribbean woman is incredible and and I'm really proud of that legacy both for me kind of from a like a family history perspective but also when you think much broader right um to the kind of generations and and the ancestors that have that have gone before us so for me it's about heritage it's about legacy and I really do feel that I sit on the shoulders of giants and that's what's precious to me and and 
it's one of the things that I want to pass on to my daughter, right? So she's two, but she's already got history books <laughs> about, you know, Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks. I want to get some British people in there as well. But she's already learning that legacy. And that for me is, is something that it's my responsibility to make sure that she has that sense of pride as well in terms of what her people as a whole have, have achieved. I love that. Come on, two-year-old Rosa Parks. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know, that's such a great question. And I think that when you think about what it means to be a Black woman, I love that there are so many intersectionalities within that identity, that there's no box that just can fully contain the greatness and the power that is being a Black woman. And I love just just the fluidity of that. I love that I continue to meet different women in my walks of life. And there's something that continues to elevate and center their experience to be different than mine. And so, you know, we always talk about how, you know, being Black or being a Black woman, like it's not a monolith. But I feel like I see that specifically in Black women today, um, as we really do like really push the bounds of like what it means to us and how we show up as black women and being comfortable with being how we show up. Um, so I just think it's just so much power and being able to identify that as who I am um, and not feel like I have to subscribe to what other people feel like it's supposed to be. Um, oh, I love that. Yeah. I think that's 100%. what I love the most. <laughs> Because I think other people are always trying to tell us what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to dress, how we're supposed to wear our hair, how we're supposed to talk, how we're supposed to do this, or what we're not supposed to do. That's something that, like what both of you said, that's the freedom of, of just being a, a Black woman and, and getting to that place, though. But how did y'all get to that place? That's a work for me, personally. Same. Okay, Paulette, same. Still working. <laughs> Like yeah, still, still working, still, still working. working. <laughs> if you had to capture that in an answer, because I don't know if I could just really map out the journey of like, how do I get to this place? I think when I realized what was stopping me from being whole and walking in who I was, when I recognized that that was just the perception of other folks and being so concerned about the perception of other folks, and I let that go. I think it gave myself permission to define and redefine what I and who I really am. I felt like I was in the context of being a Black woman was I allowed other parties or entities define that for me, right? And so in order to be the respectable Black woman, this is what it looks like. I mean, I remember, and we, you may remember this, I was interviewing for my first job after grad school and my hair was, I had already started my natural hair journey. But I was like, Winnie, I have to get this job. Let me borrow this dress. Cause I know this dress will be the dress. And I flat ironed my hair, which I hadn't done in a couple of months just to get the job. Because I feel like that is what it meant to be a black woman in that space. Mm -hmm. And I needed to be presentable in a type of way. Mm -hmm. And once I stopped caring what other folks thought, I mean, it, the sky just became the limit. And I think that there, there was a lot of healing that happened as a result of letting go of other folks' perception of who I was supposed to be, thus opening up like a runway for me to, to soar in ways of redefining who I wanted to be. What you say, Teresa, in terms of it being a journey, 
rather than a moment definitely resonates. I grew up with my parents talking about talking about black history and I grew up with a radical bookshelf you know I thought that That's was what a normal they have been passed down <laughs> well, that was normal um, and I thought it was normal for me to grow up with this really rich cultural history at home but then at school to have something completely different I thought it was really normal for those kind of two spaces to be separate from each other and um, and it's really interesting for me working in a university now and, and seeing how young people today are really challenging that notion um, mm. that their heritage and their history is something personal and private and not something which is part of uh, academia and you know every sphere of society and so I think for for me there are a couple of things it was it was having that grounding and that foundation from family but it was also being in a, a school with other young black women um, and having that experience of interacting with black women who are different to me and and knowing oh I can be unique you know I don't have to fit into a particular box you know I can be me we're all different and we're all still young black women in my career I have been in spaces that have felt really welcoming and embracing of my identity and myself and other spaces that haven't and so I've had to really learn in those spaces that have not embraced me as a whole person um, to continue to show up fully uh, and to sit in that discomfort um, because I know that I am bringing my best when I'm able to do that. Um, and so I guess it's not to say that it's it's always easy. Sometimes it's really uncomfortable mm. um, to do that and, and to embrace yourself fully and, and present authentic, you know, in every space. But I've learned that that's what's needed for me to bring my best. And also just to be healthy, you know, <laughs> just to be, because right. right. if I'm not feeling healthy at work, I'm not feeling healthy at home either. As you were talking there, Sarita, I was just thinking about, I don't know if this resonates with Teresia and Whitney, but like, obviously you guys in the States have historically black black colleges and you you have your sororities all black sororities and things like that and that's something that we don't have in the UK so like do you feel like you're more able to I know I don't know if either of you attended those but I know Whitney's in sororities so do you feel like you're more able to kind of bring your history and your culture to your education in that sense particularly higher education because for us we have a few we've got African Caribbean societies and things like that but like it's very very different the ability to allow affinity to create like a smaller cultural sense of belonging in very wide spaces was critical for me in undergrad. And I was a member of historically Black Greek letter organization, same chapter Whitney was, we lived in the sorority house together. And that was I mean, that was a game changer. It really was. And hindsight is 2020. I didn't know it was a game changer at the time. I was just like, I'm just here for a good time. Not a long time, right? Not a long time. But- <laughs> Not a long time, but I'm here for a good time. But when I look back and I think about how, and I was reflecting on this this week because we had a philanthropy event that a lot of the, um, the chapter still participates in, even from afar. And I was thinking like, 
it's been 15, 16 years since I was so involved, but I still have such an affinity to what that experience gave me as a young 19, 20, 21 year old. And I think a lot of that is rooted in my blackness, right? And especially my blackness in a very white space where like white patriarchal ideals were centered, right? Like a predominantly white institution in the South, like that is what it was. And so I, I think that is such a great point that you bring up and probably doesn't sit top of mind enough as it relates to how it's formed my experience and my identity as a black woman. I think, Teresia, something that you said about that, I agree that I've always underestimated, but I think it heavily influences like how I show up now, like in work and all that. There were moments in our sorority where we were pushed into leadership and something you may not know about me and Teresia, but we, you know, we were pretty confident in like in our leadership abilities and we really supported each other in that. But we were pushed to actually like lead chapters and lead other our peers in ways that I think affirmed us in our our Black womanhood, but we were also led by Black women. Mm -hmm. And we got to see other Black women. We were in this area where there were Black women who were leaders in like corporate America. I don't know if y'all have Walmart over there. Uh, We know what it is. Y'all know what Walmart is, right? (laughs) The Walmart, um, the headquarters was right there by our institution, uh, Tyson, all these places, right? And we got to see women who were leading companies like that and who were also like our chapter advisors so we got to see what we could be in that moment through our sorority and I think even our advisor like Yolanda it was like she instilled confidence in us she told us to be confident if we weren't she's like "Mm -mm, come again like don't show up here and you're not confident because you need to be confident and so that I don't and, and it wasn't even in this like pushing us as she was just saying like you need to be confident expectation and I think like we do have that in pocket so Sarita and I have both been involved in like um, organizations and events where like we're encouraging black students but it's not like you know like a lifelong commitment that I see from your sorority Whitney when you're like Mm -hmm. oh you know yeah I'm meeting my my sisters or like oh you know we've got these events like and this is like you say like 10 20 years down the line like we're still not quite not there. Not 20 yet, yet Pauline, but I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. It's not You're closer to 20 than 10, Whitney. Yeah, closer, closer to 20 than anything else. You are right about that. Okay, fine. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I thought you were like, don't come for me, Paulette. I'm like, oh, sorry. I think it would just be great to see more of that in the UK. But how does that show up for you all in the UK? So even if you think about things like imposter syndrome and all this, like, what does that look like for y'all? How have you started to own your own likeness? You know, like in in different spaces, in work, outside of work, everyone here is leading your own businesses and organizations and all that. Like, how do you do that? How did you get to a point where you could fight off all of these things that tell us that what we couldn't do and you begin to own your own talent? I was reflecting on something another Black woman shared with me about becoming a trustee out of a board. And she said, look, we often talk about imposter syndrome as something that we just need to get over. Just be more confident. You deserve to be there and, and, and just get on with it, basically. But actually, imposter syndrome is often a natural response to what we can see around us. So if we are the only Black woman in a position of leadership, 
it's highly likely that there are structural issues that has meant that other Black women have either not accessed that space or have not remained in that space. And so your response of, oh, I don't feel comfortable here, this doesn't feel like a space for me, is not something that you just have to overcome. It's reflecting the reality that you see around you. Been interesting uh, for me to work through um, in that it's kind of this, this understanding that actually, yes, I am working, living in a space which is formed by structural inequality. And I feel uncomfortable in this space because I am seeing, witnessing the results of that. I'm, I'm seeing the symptoms of that all around me. Uh, but how I respond to that in the moment, but also kind of long term is important. And, and for me in my career, it's been really important to be part of the conversations and part of the groups that are tackling structural inequality. It's been really important for me to talk about it quite openly in the spaces that I'm in to recognize oh I'm the only black woman here oh that's interesting you know why why isn't this space more diverse it's been it's been important for me to call that out how does that go down Sarita (laughs) you know people are uncomfortable right people are uncomfortable but I, I I can't be the only one that's uncomfortable with that dynamic okay for real yeah I, I that's just not <laughs> and actually sometimes people haven't realized it's not registered for them blatantly obvious and visible to me for some people because it's been like that for so long they've not even questioned it and mm-hmm. so just getting people to start questioning that noticing that is sometimes the first step and in terms of overcoming imposter syndrome I don't think I have overcome it but I've learned to live with it so I've learned to recognize what I'm feeling understand why I'm feeling it this is a reality that I'm experiencing this isn't something that I just need to ignore and and keep peddling on but I have coping mechanisms for it and one of the things that I always draw on is Sarita what are you bringing to the space what are you bringing to the space professionally but also personally and the fact that you're different and that you're bringing a different perspective and background you know that you need to speak up even louder that's not present elsewhere in the room and so I've become known as being vocal (laughs) but part of that is because I know that I have a responsibility to be vocal in those spaces the flip side of that is not trying to carry that by yourself but trying to bring other people into that space right so not feeling like oh I need to be the spokesperson because I'm the only one here but working out ways to bring other people into that space because you can get tired fast by being the only spokesperson sometimes you may sit in the room you're like not today (laughs) not today because today I'm tired and so I think that's also a part of for me protecting my own peace too is deciding yeah. like you not today not you mm-hmm. not today that's like, one mm-hmm. of the first conversations or one of the early conversations Whitney and I had was just like do you ever just get <laughs> fed up <laughs> it's like yeah yeah me too because these meetings right. sometimes oh gosh you just have you not worked it out yet but yeah I know what you mean Sarita like I felt pushed quite a bit to to be that voice when it's not there mm-hmm. particularly working in higher education and maybe we should say at this point like Sarita and Teresia like what is your jobs what do you do I'm a 
an associate director of education transformation, which means I lead on change, significant change and transformation projects and programs. So change. That's why you always got to talk. You, you paid to talk. <laughs> so you were paid to speak up. I got you now. That makes sense too. Pay me because I'm going to speak up, but pay me for it too. Right. If you want this energy, you're going to have to run me my coins. <laughs> coins. Um, I, so I have taken a slight little pivot out of higher ed. So I worked at Louisiana State University for the greater part of a decade, closer to like 11 years. Um, but I recently, um, past seven and a half months, I served as the diversity, equity, inclusion director for a national fraternity for women. So I'm a part of the headquarters staff that helps to mold and cultivate and really look critically at the environments that we're creating in the member experience. But specifically over the past couple of months, a, a lot of my role has been thinking about ways to deconstruct the leadership pipeline that has really centered the same type of members and have given them the upper hand to really run the organization for lack mm -hmm. of a better word. And so that's what I do day to day. And we have, it has been a remarkable journey thus far working. I will say that I am the only black woman on our staff, but there has never been a time where I felt like I had to hide my blackness. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, I think it is the privilege of the work that I'm in. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think that there is an exhausting component of working in the equity and inclusion space for sure. But I think the other part of the privilege is is that most, if not all of what I say is taken within the lens of the work that I do and not, oh, that's just a Black woman, right, speaking out. So there's a privilege there that I most definitely activate heavily um, in the conversations that I enter into. But one thing that you said, and I always, I say, I want to say Sarita because my mom's name is Sarita. So oh. it's, so it's like, hi, my mom. Yeah, we're just talking about her. So um, it's cool. <laughs> but one thing that you said about like this idea of imposter syndrome being our natural reaction to the environments around us, it resonated with me because I think about how oftentimes when I do feel like I'm being an imposter, I have to check myself and be like, oh, that's them. Like, this is the system that has been created. So that's not for me. That's for you, mm -hmm. actually. Um, and I think it's been a way for me to reclaim my power in moments where I do find myself feeling small to say, I don't feel small because I'm inadequate. I feel small because I am constantly being entered and introduced into systems that was never created for me to feel adequate. And so that part, I think, is such a good reminder when think, when folks are feeling like they are imposters and not for lack of skill or talent, but just because of the nature of the environment. You know that moment when you realize like, wait, I am the talent. Like, it's me. Like, it's not y'all. It's me. Like, I'm the talent. And so then you decide, I'm going to package this talent and I'm going to do something different with it. Like, I know like, Teresia, you have your own business where you speak and all that and, and you share some of the things that you do and I know Paulette how does that look for y'all how did you take that and decide I'm the talent so that means that I get to determine what this looks like how do you determine that for yourself for the people out there who are like I have this skill set and I act like it belongs to my workplace but it doesn't 
because it goes with me. That's good. <laughs> that last piece you said about they act like it belongs to them, but it really belongs to me. Mm-hmm. I think that, that that reclaiming of talents that you have utilized and cultivated through different spaces, yes, the spaces may have given you opportunities to cultivate right. it, but really the root of that lives within me and in this world, especially in the, such a capitalistic society, but it would behoove you to think strategically about how to use your talent and create spaces where you are walking in things that you enjoy and, and give you joy, but are also lucrative. And I think for me, what I found is that there are things that I truly enjoy. I truly enjoy, you know, creating content around authenticity. I truly enjoy creating content around equity inclusion. Those are things that I naturally will find myself leaning into in my role that weren't a part of my job description. And I was giving them to them for free, right? Mm-hmm. Flinging four for y'all got Wendy's over there, four for four. No. <laughs> Did we get a Wendy's recently? We've got Wendy's. We've got Wendy's. We have. Wendy's is for us. They give out four items for four dollars, and you're like, Wendy, you are giving away this food for free, right? (laughs) And I think that's what you know. That is not what the university paid me to do. They paid me to have this type of meal. I was supposed to be a chicken sandwich, but I'm out here being a four for four, right? And you are fries and all. All right, fries upgraded right drink large drink all of the things so I think once I realized like I'm really out of here giving them things that really belong to me I I think that for me was like a light switch like actually you don't own me you don't own this talent and I am wise enough and smart enough to think about pathways that will invite more joy in my professional life while also still being able to think about what does that look like if I still want to work for another organization. That's kind of how that opened up for me. I think so many Black women are going to resonate with that. Like, because we do the extras, like the the things that we, like you say, we don't get paid for, we barely get recognized for. In fact, particularly when it comes to EDI work, it can sometimes actually work against you if mm-hmm. it, you know it's not in your job description I know academics who are doing sort of EDI work on top of their teaching and research and they're being told you might want to step back from that stuff like it's yeah. it's not good for your career meanwhile they're putting themselves out there as like almost like a target if you like because like mm-hmm. you said they don't have that kind of oh no, this is my job. I'm allowed to speak about this. They're just like, I'm out here just letting you guys know all the wrong that you're doing in this work. Right. And, and it's you know, coming from a place of passion, exactly, right? It's coming from a exactly. place of it's lived personal. experience. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that would resonate with a lot of people. How about you, Sarita? What I found interesting about what you said, Teresa, was this, um, what brings me joy? Mm-hmm. And there have been times where I've said, you know what, I just need to write. And I need to write outside of my corporate voice (laughs) because I really need to just express what I'm feeling as an individual and not police myself or kind of tone something down and that's often been my way kind of my outlet it's quite easy when you're in a position where you are speaking at work you're creating at work not to take those opportunities that's been really key for me over the years to kind of 
reconnect with my voice because it is different to my corporate voice. And, you know, there are things that are best not said <laughs> mm-hmm. within my corporate voice. Right. And so that's been helpful for me. When you talk about this corporate voice and I mm-hmm. think that I think the more we talk about like equity and inclusion, it, does, it gets harder. Right. But I think it gets harder to define a line between where I guess, are you talking about like co-switching or you're saying like something you're, no, you're again, saying like there's something I would address and something I'm just not. Not even code-switching. Okay. For me, it's kind of, you know, every organization has, well, these are our principles and our values and carefully worded statements mm. about inclusion like we saw so many around mm. black lives matters how many hours do you think organizations spent crafting those statements for black, <laughs> black lives matter you know? <laughs> i was like if i get one i think wendy's talking about wendy's i think wendy's had a statement wendy's yeah everybody but that's you a know, whole another topic <laughs> of its own it is they're worded so carefully in a way not to cause offense to anyone sometimes the way in which we which we talk for an organization mm-hmm. is so crafted mm-hmm. that in the end you're just not saying anything right mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not saying anything of value of substance of um that is fresh or, or new mm-hmm. um and so for me it's been really important to write in a way that kind of frees myself mm-hmm. um from kind of questioning oh could someone interpret this as X? Maybe I need to soften this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been really freeing for me. And it brings you like peace and joy too to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think you realize sometimes, like I don't realize sometimes how much I've had to like, like you say, police myself mm. or like ask someone, is this all right? Is this in line with the vision? <laughs> you know and I think the times that I have kind of maybe spoken out or spoken outside of that um well starting leading roots starting an organization that is basically okay I built my own organization (laughs) but you know what I mean it's basically saying okay we can also do something slightly outside of what you know my day-to-day job is telling me that we have to do we can have some real conversations as a community um and what my friend Basaya Twins calls private conversations which are things that we know to be true in the black community but that we might not want to discuss <laughs> in a public forum for it's people not for to, everybody right it's not for everybody, not for everybody. Um, and you know those having those conversations outside of us isn't necessarily going to be helpful um yeah I think these these spaces are, are and ways of expressing that are really really important I agree sorry that just made me think about so when you are in the room and you have other people you know you have your friend another black woman you're like you can just get them that look like a little text that was the beauty <laughs> of zoom then too it's like girl what <laughs> what like, what is happening those are those are the moments that I I thrive with too <laughs> somebody else in the room understands me they understand what I'm thinking it can just be a look it can be a little smirk a smile whatever it needs to be and we get to share that I've noticed more these days I've noticed more like when I'm ready to give the look to someone actually there's like maybe a white person in the room that's like by the way 
I don't know, Sammy, if you know. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. More and more, there's just like you, you two as well. Yeah. Yeah. More and more. It's just a white person. It's just like, have we considered here? And you're like, oh, oh, oh. Uh, we're yeah. talking to <laughs> Or like the side now with teams and mm-hmm. all of the different chat features. It's like, oh my gosh, are you seeing? I'm like, what? what? Now that you mentioned it, I have noticed that. Right. <laughs> Me, girl, you say something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Talk about it. Here's your chance to, I had someone specifically, it was a white woman who reached out to me and she said, I just want to really say thank you for like you, sorry, when you were talking about like saying something, like if it comes, I'm like, oh, let me go ahead and say this. And she reached out to me and saying like, oh, I'm so glad that you said something like I was having the same thoughts. I was like, you know, what would be really helpful is if you said that in the meeting, like that, (laughs) say that there and that's great. And so, and then she took that on and be like, okay. But we were able to have that conversation um, where you you too can say something. Like, especially mm-hmm. if you notice it, you can say something too. And I think that's when you talked about the work you're doing around transformation. I believe that that's when that starts to happen, when we don't have to be the ones to say something. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I think it's it's interesting because it's, uh, you know we've seen things kind of come in waves like I think about the 90s and like multiculturalism and then kind of noughties where it's like diversity's fine everything's good don't worry about it Melting um, pot. <laughs> yeah and that was that was the kind of narrative not just from our white colleagues but some of our black colleagues you know people of color everything's good if I can do this anyone can why are people complaining um and so I feel like we're in an interesting space at the moment because black lives matters really heighten the discussion and um encourage people to educate themselves and read and learn be proactive and step into that anti-racism space um but it's not at the forefront of people's minds anymore uh, and I've definitely noticed you know where before we saw you know we have this initiative an amazing initiative that one of my colleagues started called conversations about race mm. at the university whereas that was oversubscribed everyone wants to be in that conversation mm. you're seeing that pitter out a little bit and so they're over it, they're over it yeah it's and it's like, like wait we didn't know y'all want to do all this like yeah. okay i was gonna come here you talk about it but you still want me to talk about it oh ain't gonna yeah. do something no. Yeah. No, oh, still this i think someone that i spoke to has had a conversation not at my institution but at another one where they were like oh are we still doing this and it's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. is racism still here <laughs> did you see a hand that i <laughs> like what what and so Honestly, I guess yeah what I'm seeing now is question, though, yeah. like aside from that when you talked about like your talents and all that how did you all decide to monetize that like what does that look like for you or how did you get into where you decided it was a full-blown business or how did you build that structure out I did not see it for myself in the beginning okay I was the person who would, as long as you pay for my travel, like I would love mm. to come and spend some time with your community. This is my passion, right? And I was, <laughs> I was the 
MC for a convention for an organization and they had like a panel of speak like a slew of speakers it was like three days of like nothing they just probably spent thousands thousands of dollars with speakers and one of the speakers happened to be someone that I've known for now a decade I would consider her a mentor but you know sometimes mentors don't want to be mentors because then that means that they're older than you so she's like I'm not your mentor I'm like all right fine we're friends and I remember her coming up after she was the opening keynote phenomenal speaker and speaker for close greater part of 30 years PhD in psychology like amazing amazing white woman she came up to me after her keynote and she was like they're paying for you to they're paying this I mean they're paying you to do this right and I was like what did you say they're paying you to do this right and I was like I mean they pay for my flight and my room and my food she's like no next time tell them you're not coming back unless they pay you and then she said make sure you pay yourself out of what they're paying you and make sure you pay your taxes and then she walks off and I was like (laughs) what just happened um and then later I sat in there like why am I the four for four right why am I constantly in my spaces where I am professional but also in spaces that give me joy I am constantly feeling like they deserve to get my talents for free Mm -hmm. and that conversation by a white woman who saw something in me I think empowered me to be like oh it's time and I think from there I continue to, you know, talk to like, you know, professionals about what does it look like to expand? What is the, you know, the, I would say like the, the market right now as it relates to race. And I continue to increase and increase over, you know, a span in my business plan. But I think that seed of someone telling me you are worth it. Mm-hmm. I think it, 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 it clicked in me. And for some reason it hadn't before. And I think that part is what has created the space where I'm able to monetize my talents and my skills. And I walk very firmly in that. Mm -hmm. I've been having that conversation a lot lately. I think some of it is like culturally too, we operate in a space where we give, like we give of talents, like we give resources, we share things, you know what I'm saying? And so we're conditioned in a lot of ways to do that. And I know that we still do that. Even as we build our businesses, we still give, we still share. Um, but I also I even think, think that, about how ahead. higher ed sometimes right. has cultivated this idea of you are yeah. higher for one thing, but you're so great. We want you on this committee, this committee, this, yes. this. And this, other universities, this. they'll call you and say, can you come and do this? And like, yeah. you don't charge them because it's just sharing good practice. What you do, well, right. Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, I have somebody tell me, well, you know, we're higher ed. Well, baby, let me tell you. <laughs> it's a scam it's a scam and it is and I think that part really is what taught me what I thought I knew about sharing my talents too even from I would say even from being an undergrad and grad where I was heavily involved in student organizations and you shared and you did this I thought that was just the way Mm -hmm. and I'm like no that's not the way and I think now I've even made it like in board positions that I'm on in associations I'm like if we want talent we're going to compensate them I don't care if it's a membership dues or you know a hundred dollar gift card to subway right y'all got subway over there 
Okay. Theresa and I have always shared a love for free food. Like, give us food. Okay, for yeah. Feed me. Feed yeah. Me. So <laughs> now I'm obsessed when I come visit to make sure y'all have all the places, right? Um, but I, I, in all seriousness, I, I do think that some of that it was really cultivated through our culturally as as blacks as black people, but also in higher education too. Yeah. And interestingly, your point about it being a white woman that came to you and said, you need to charge the same thing happened to me. When I said, Mm. oh, you know, she was like, how much do you charge? And I said, we we charge X. And she was like, that's too low, Paula. And you know, like, you know when you Mm. feel. You're like, so I'm missing out on my money. (laughs) Almost the embarrassment of like someone actually saying to you, no, no, that's not it. It's like. Like, you know, she was free but the, the, these are people who've been doing share. it they know that system they know that they game. know, you know what it, I mean? like, but for so long haven't been willing to share you know and that's that, the part pilot that's the part for so long not been willing to share not been willing to bring others along mm-hmm. that's critical because how many other folks aren't being brought along mm-hmm. right i think about it conferences especially conferences where i'm sitting in some type of leadership position how folks think, you know, you have cracked the holy grail of being a board member, a trustee or whatever, you must know all the codes. And I'm like, how much of this information is it now my responsibility to share with other young professionals? Like you can monetize your talents and your skills. You can and you should be. So I remember um, being approached by someone, oh, you know, race equality, inclusion, change management, you're an expert in this. Will you do a quote for us for workshop, whatever, consultancy? Producing a quote and, oh, that's not what we were expecting. And so this kind of (laughs) expectation of it'll just be a couple of hundred pounds. It will just be this. Four for four. Yes, Theresia. Yes, and, and the need to actually, for me, I didn't go back and re-engage in the discussion and the negotiation. That's it. I left it there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's also that kind of um, the need to know when something isn't for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when an opportunity isn't for you because actually people aren't able to afford your talent. And that can be can't afford my talent. That can be difficult. Is the price. That can be difficult. And for me, I love to have impact and I want, yeah, you know, I want the opportunities. Yeah, I'm really excited by that. But being able to walk away from things as well Mm -hmm. has been really important. That's that's the next level flexing too, like. Before we go, obviously we've invited you both on here to talk about, you know, your careers, particularly in HE and EDI, but what else sort of are you kind of interested in outside of that? Because I think Whitney and I discussed it and we were sort of like, often, I think, particularly as Black women, you know, brought on to talk talk about one thing or we're known for one particular thing, but yeah, multidimensional beings. <laughs> so what else are you interested in or like have a passion for outside of your career? I have a passion and this is going to sound very cliche, but I have a passion for truly living life. Mm-hmm. Like that is very much rooted into how I make decisions and and what I want to see like as the fruit of like the work that I leave on this this earth and so I think when it comes to how I spend my energy and time outside of things that make me money 
I'm always going to default to experiences with the ones I love, making the commitment to spend time, to travel. I've just invited myself to my brother and his family's trip to Disney World. I'm going for a day because that's that was that's worth it for me. And I think as you get older, you realize that what used to feel like five years is now five months, right? Mm -hmm. Time goes by so fast. And so Mm -hmm. I never, ever want to leave anything on the table as it relates to an experience that I can truly feel like I am living and not just existing and going along on this conveyor belt of what they feel like I should be doing to make a living or career. And so that is something that I'm deeply passionate about. And I think I'm thankful for the past couple of months, I had a new therapist who's a black woman, shout out. And she has really challenged me to think about like, you're talking a lot about your career. You're talking a lot about this. Like there has to be something else. And I was like, <gasps> right. These not going to be therapists. Hey, you just tell me that, right? But that really challenged me to think about how much are you investing in making a living and not living a life? And for me, I was like, I'm living life. Okay. All the flights. All the things, all the trips, food all the food, that, that is something I'm, I'm extremely passionate about. Oh, I love that, Theresia. You know, when people ask me that, I'm like, oh, hobby? Ooh. Uh, because it's, it, sometimes it's I know your me, hobby, Simon, Tom. <laughs> better say I do, it. I do have a hobby. But for me, it's often not about doing one thing. It is it is about kind of living life to the full. So that definitely resonates with me. But a couple of things. So I was a freelance florist in a past life. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, love flowers. Still love doing floristry. When you have a two-year-old, the prospect of getting up at 3 a.m. to go to a flower market is suddenly so... So much less oh, appealing. I don't have a two-year-old. I have a two-year-old, and I could, I couldn't. No, I used to be able to do it. Now I've just recently regained sleep. I can't face yes. it yet. Uh, sorry, Paulette. It will come. It will come. For me, the kind of idea of, of living life really resonates. And about a year ago, I returned to work after maternity leave, and I realized that I was going to work picking my daughter up from childminder, putting her to bed, cooking, cleaning, repeat, repeat, repeat. And I'd have the weekends, you would, I don't know, washing, cooking. And from that point, I was like, do you know what? No, I need to make more of my time. Mm -hmm. And it can't just be the weekends either. It can't just be the weekends that I'm enjoying my time because then I'm saying two out of seven days is is what I get. And I realized that I've become really outdoorsy. I'm I'm from London. I grew up in London, city, city woman. When I was uh, pregnant, we started going on these long walks. uh, And I just realized that I loved walking through the woods and the Mm. countryside. And for me now, you know, if I can do anything, it is getting on a train, to the countryside and, and going for a, a hike, going for a long walk. So that's that's something that I really enjoy. Uh, that's what gives me joy and, and peace now. Oh, it's Thank been you amazing. You two have been the perfect first guests. 
We have ruined it for anyone after this. That was our goal, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so, so much for coming on and speaking with us today. You never know, might have you back at some point because, right. hey, it's our thing and we want to do it how we want to do it. Do it, how we want to do it. <laughs> um, but thank you both so much. We want to follow y'all on social media. If you yeah, wanna... mine is yeah. Twitter. I'm not, I'm not oh. on Instagram apart from like, here's my family photo. <laughs> I'm having these long country walks. Not country walks. When you, you said know. that, I realized actually on Instagram, you have been posting a lot of country walks. So I was like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's true. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been terrible on social media. I need to get back on it. Thank you. Aww, thanks for having us. Aww, yeah, man. this was fun. Aww, take care. See you. you too. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye. Yay! <laughs> Thank you for listening to this World Is Ours podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at World Is Ours Podcast or go to thisworldisours.com.